to Lakeland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. Welcome, welcome to week three of Unite 714. This whole series has been about uniting our hearts around what 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, um, which we're going to get to in just a second. But I'm really excited about uh, today because I believe it's going to be a day of breakthrough for so many people, and my prayer is that that is for you. Um, I'll, let me Before we hop into this message, though, today, um, let me just set up what's coming up in the weeks ahead. I think all of you are going to be excited about what's coming up in the weeks ahead. Um, I know this group up here is going to be excited about what's coming up in the weeks ahead. It is, we're, we're diving into a series next week called uh, Summer Playlist, and it's going to be some of your favorites, some of our favorites uh, from the worship team, as far as our favorite worship songs or songs that we're hearing on the radio as far as uh, Christian artists are concerned. And because here's the deal, so often... Often in those songs, are you ready for what's buried in there? Some really rich truths from God's word that sometimes we just sing a lyric and we just hop right over it and we actually miss how critical and how life transforming this little truth could be if we just wrapped our head around it. And then what you're also going to get is you're going to get just a, a great song to just kind of throw onto the radio and put on repeat all week long and go, man, this has such meaning now in my life after I've heard this message and I'm just living it and loving it. It's also going to be ideal as so many of our groups are hopping back together uh, now in community and doing, uh, watching a service together. This is great. Just do a barbecue, watch the service, and turn the music up loud and have a party together. It's going to be a lot of fun. In fact, that's why we've also launched two more um, evening rebroadcasts on Monday night and Thursday night, just recognizing there's sometimes families want to get together or small groups want to get together. They can watch the service and they can uh, turn up the music together. So it's going to be fun as we dive into that series. But let me start with a question uh, for today. Have you ever asked, maybe if you've got a, uh, a child, have you ever asked a child to apologize for something? Or maybe someone did this for you, maybe in a workplace, like, hey, you, you really need to apologize to this other coworker. And the individual, or maybe your child, they apologize, but after the apology, you're like, I don't think you meant that. Or maybe if they did mean it, you're like, I don't even think, I don't think they're going to change. Have you ever experienced that? You're like, I don't anticipate any change in their behavior based on how that apology just went. Uh, maybe some of you are like, yep, that happened with me earlier today with one of my kids. But here's the deal is I think there's a lot of Christians who actually, when it comes to our walk with the Lord, we say we're sorry. We confess our sin. But at the end of the day, we have no intention of changing. And maybe it's not that you don't have an intention of changing. It's just that you've tried so many times before and you haven't been successful. And so you've almost given up on it. It's, it's, I would say most Christians can embrace the concept of confession. We really struggle with the concept of repentance. Confession is to acknowledge my wrong and what I did that was wrong. But repentance is to turn from my wrong. And I think that there's actually tons of people, including myself in my, in my life, and probably many of us here on, uh, at church, would say, you know what, that's been part of my story, is that a longing to change, but always struggling to change. And so I continue to fall time and time and time again. And so while I might confess to the Lord, or, and I might even genuinely repent, but as, long, as much as I want to turn, it's like 
I almost am heading into it expecting that I'm not going to be successful. I'm not going to see a change. Uh, But turning from our wicked ways is so critical. It's the third behavior that we see described here in our key verse. Let's look at it. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins and heal their land. And each week we've talked about how really we, we hear the end of this and all of us are like, yes, that's what I long for. God, hear us from heaven, forgive our sins. God, we need you to heal our land. But then when it comes to, I, I said this in the week, previous weeks, this verse is really a cause and effect verse. You've got a cause, you know, if we do this, then here's the effect, here's what God will do. God will hear us from heaven, he'll forgive our sin, he'll heal our land, but there's something that we're called to do, and that is humble ourselves, we talked about that week one, pray and seek his face. Are we really seeking his face week two? And this week, we're going to be talking about this, turning from our wicked ways. Are we really doing that? Or are we saying, I'm sorry, with, having, with really having no intention of turning from our wicked ways? I think this is one of the most difficult elements that all of us will struggle with. Um, because notice it doesn't say acknowledge your wicked ways. It doesn't just say, say sorry for your wicked ways or be aware of your wicked ways. It says turn from our wicked ways. We have to be a people who will say this is, gonna, is what's going to mark our lives. We are people who turn from our wicked ways. Almost two years ago I did this message and um, I likened it to trying to get off a, a, a merry-go-round. Um, it, it was this idea of, have you ever been on this merry-go-round it's like a, in, in regards to sin and you want off, you want to not go and do the sin that you've always done, but you find yourself going around and around and around on this thing and as, mu- as many times as you've confessed and you've repented and you want to turn and you want to be rid of this thing, you find yourself just going around and around and around and nothing ever changes. And um, I, so I gave a message a couple of years ago. I'm going to revisit it right now and revisit some of those principles because here's why, here's why it's so critical that I believe um, it's going to be breakthrough for many people. Because when I gave that message a couple of years ago, I started getting emails and messages um, two to three months later of people saying, you know what, after decades of struggling with the same sin, I finally am off the merry-go-round. I finally got off. And, and so maybe you intended to if you heard this message a couple of years ago and you never did, or maybe you missed the principles, or maybe you never really applied it, or maybe you found yourself now on a new merry-go-round uh, struggling with a new sin, um, or maybe you weren't around to hear it, but I believe today is a, a great day for freedom in your life and to get off the merry-go-round. I don't know if you ever uh, think to yourself, I feel like I know what I'm supposed to do, I just can't do it. And you almost look at yourself and you, and you just are utterly frustrated with your situation because you find yourself falling back into the same temptation, the same problem over and over and over again. Are you ready to get off the merry-go-round? I hope so. I hope so. I believe you are. So here's what I want to do. Let me, let me revisit some of these same points that I made a couple years ago. And uh, I want to start by just reading a portion out of Romans chapter 7. Because Romans chapter 7, I think you're going to hear it and you're going to say, I can relate to that. And so let's check it out. Romans chapter 7, verse 21 through 25, it says this. I've discovered this principle of life. The Apostle Paul is writing this to the church in Rome. And he says that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. Anyone else? <laughs> 
I love God's law, meaning I love God's word. I love the Bible. I love it with all my heart. Let's continue on. But there's another power within me, and that's at war within my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. I think that's where so many of us find ourselves. Going, I, I just feel miserable. I'm miserable in life because I'm on this merry-go-round. Who will free me? From this life that's dominated by sin and death. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, I've heard this message, uh, a message preached on Romans chapter 7 before by actually multiple pastors who've said, you know what, this is the ongoing struggle that we're going to always struggle with in our Christian lives. This is a description of it. Uh, you know, as Paul says, I do the things I don't want to do, I don't do the things I do want to do, and all this, and, and I find myself kind of on the merry-go-round. Is there any way off of it? And it's just kind of this description of what we'll forever be struggling with. But I want to argue that's actually not what the Apostle Paul is saying at all. It's not, because you got to understand, while we read Romans chapter 7, there's another chapter, it's calling Romans chapter 8, but it's not a separate chapter. It's not like Paul finished a thought and said, let's put that away and let, let me come back and write another chapter later. It was one letter that we broke up into chapters and verses so we can find our way around. But the very next verse in chapter 8 is actually going to describe a better way. In fact, the last verse of chapter 7 says this. It says, thanks be to God, there's an answer. There's an answer to this merry-go-round, and you don't have to be stuck on it forever. And the answer is found in Jesus Christ. There's a better way. It's not that, hey, this is, the, this is the cycle you're on for life. Deal with it. He says, thanks be to God, there's a way in Jesus Christ. It's not that you have to uh, try to kind of manage this thing on your own. Everything he describes in chapter 7 is actually describing what life was like in the Old Testament under the law. And so if you've ever tried to manage your own righteousness or living rightly by your own efforts, you want to know what you're living according to? Law. So if you've ever done this, let's say you struggle with anger, and you're like, man, I'm struggling with anger, and I don't want to explode, and so when I find anger building up within me, I count to three. <laughs> well, that's nice, and that might work a little bit, but you're actually trying to manage uh, your anger and act rightly by kind of behavior modification, which is ultimately law. And he's saying, listen, there's a better thing than behavior modification, and are you ready for it? It is heart modification. And he's going to describe what heart modification looks like. And it's not just trying to live righteously according to the law. It's actually something different. And he gives it this description as life in the spirit. And so if you want to know how to change your heart, not just behavior modification, but heart modification, it's going to be uh, this thing called life in the spirit. And so let me just give you, I'm going to give you four steps. I'm going to do this pretty quickly. Um, but the first step is this. It's so critical. Don't give sin power that it does not have. Do not give sin power that it, that it does not have. And so let's just move right into this. So uh, Romans chapter 5, or Romans chapter 8, sorry, verse 1, he says this. Now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Meaning, listen, you're no longer guilty uh, according to all the wrongs that you've done because it's all been placed on Christ at the cross. Because you belong to him. Now listen, there's another thing. The power of the life-giving spirit has, say this loud, say it at home, say it with me on stage here as well, has what has freed you. You're free. What has freed you? The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that, or the power that of sin that leads to death. 
there's, there's something within us that actually gives us power over sin. Now, this is not just about uh, positive thinking, but it is thinking rightly. This is right thinking. That greater is the Holy Spirit's power within me than he who's in the world, the devil, or any temptation that he might throw my way. So we're not talking just about positive thinking. We're talking about right thinking. Right thinking is based uh, on this truth that the Holy Spirit is in you. And are you ready for this? You are hardwired to win. You are wired to win this battle against sin. Uh, This merry-go-round, you're wired actually to be able to make it off and to get off. You're wired to win. You might say, well, why am I not winning? Well, (laughs) maybe because you're completely ignoring the Holy Spirit within you and his power. It's possible. Have you ever had this moment? I, I imagine probably all of us have, where all of a sudden you, you feel like you're coming to that thing, that temptation that often um, you, you, you face, and you have this little gut check within you, that, that split-second gut check, like, I know I shouldn't do this. You want to know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you're not, you don't belong here. You shouldn't be doing this. This is not what you're wired for. You're hardwired to win. That's what that is in that moment. And what many of us do is we go, we just kind of ignore that gut check and we move on. So you ignore the thing that's within you, the power that actually has victory over this thing called sin. Uh, many years ago, when I, my very first job when I was 12 years old was as a caddy. So I was caddying, uh, you know, carrying golf clubs for guys uh, as they golfed. And I remember this one guy, man, he went out, he, he had a full bag of clubs, but he chose not to use any of his woods or most of his irons. He basically played the whole round of golf with uh, his seven, eight, and nine iron because he's like, I'm no good with all the other clubs. Well, he wasn't good with the seven, eight, or nine either. Uh, at the end of nine holes, he had a score of like 120, which is like three times what you should have. And it was just pitiful. And I looked at him and I was like, man, you're just ignoring everything that's in your bag. All you have like access to, to help you do better. And I would say there's so many of us that are trying to like win in this thing called victory over sin, but you're ignoring actually everything that you have in your life, which is, and the greatest thing in your life, which is the Holy Spirit and his power that makes us wired to win. You have to recognize this is not my battle to win. It's actually the Holy Spirit's battle within me And he is wired to win this battle within me. And that's why you're wired to win. Second thing that you need to do, or second step, I would say this. You need to start following the Spirit. Now here's why I say you got to start following the Spirit. Yes, the the verse is going to talk about it. But in 2 Chronicles 7.14, he says, turn from your wicked ways. Meaning you're going this way and now you're going this way. And if you're going this way, what are you, who are you following? So you gotta follow someone, you need to follow the spirit. Notice what uh, Romans chapter eight, verse four says. It says this, he did this, Jesus did this, and what he's talking about is how he laid down his life for us at the cross so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer, I, I just want you to understand, if you're a follower of Christ, you no longer Follow our sinful nature, but instead, follow the Spirit. That's how you're wired to live now, following Him. So, so often we get caught up in uh, winning the battle over sin as opposed to focusing on who are we following. Have, have you ever done this? Like, I don't want to explode in anger, so I'm, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to try not to explode. And as a result, you're just so focused on kind of beating this thing called sin as opposed to saying, God, how do I follow you right now? 
Like, what would actually the Holy Spirit's response, because he wants to bring it out in you, what would that be right now? Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So instead of just saying, I don't want to explode in anger, what we should be saying is, I want to follow the Holy Spirit and let all of that he wants to bring out of me, out of me right now. It's, it's not just about not doing what's wrong. It's about following the one who is doing what's right. Saying, I want to follow the one who always does what's right. Uh, this past spring, uh, a group of us from Lakeland had gone to Israel. And while we were flying to Israel, we were going through Germany. And I was leading uh, this group of 50 of us through the airport. And as I was leading us through, I knew we had to get to another connecting flight, another connecting gate. And I'm just following the signs. And I thought I was leading us all in the right way. And there was a sign that said the gate that we were going to this way. And I thought it was really strange because we had to go through like TSA again. You know, the whole, you know, uh, pat down and scans and all that. And we had already gone through all that. So I'm like, this is really weird. We got to go through it twice, but we got to get over there. And so I started leading our whole group through there. And about 10 of us made it through and then this worker goes where are you guys flying to and we go Israel and he goes you guys aren't supposed to come through here at all you're supposed to go to that gate over there it's just not yet open it won't be open for probably another hour and so uh, here's the deal is all our whole group followed me unintentionally to the wrong place and I don't know if you've ever done this where you are just following culture I think most people do this we unintentionally follow culture actually to the wrong place as opposed to intentionally following God to the right place. We, we follow social media, we follow the news, and we follow what our friends are saying at work and what my neighbor told me I should do, and we follow the advice of maybe even a good friend, but we are following sometimes unintentionally well-intentioned people that lead us to the wrong solution or the wrong destination as opposed to following him. And so if you find yourself, uh, not, uh, find yourself just doing what everyone else is doing, but not intentionally asking God what he's doing or where he wants to lead you, you're probably not following the Spirit. Now the next two steps, I'm going to do this quickly. Uh, these are the things that kind of define this new walk. If you imagine we were walking this way towards sin and we want to get off the merry-go-round, we're going to turn from our wicked ways and we're going to walk this way. Uh, there's some things that will just define and be a part of your behaviors in this new journey, this new direction that you're, that you're heading. Uh, imagine if you were to start like walking and you want to get in shape and so you want to walk five miles every day. And, and so some of the things that you might add to your list of things that you have that are a part of your behaviors on this new journey, you might get new walking shoes, you might get something that can count your steps, but these are some of the things that are going to be a part of this journey. Well, let me give you a couple of things that will be a part of this journey that you're on, getting off the merry-go-round. Are you ready for what they are? Step three is this. This is going to be a part of your journey, to think about things that please the Spirit. This is really about having a mind that is saturated with things that please the Spirit of God. Here's what Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, which is, we've all agreed, we want off that merry-go-round. Well, here's what they do. They think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit knows what they do. They think about things that please the Spirit. So a simple question for you. Would you describe your mind as a mind that is dominated with thoughts that please the Spirit of God? Like what saturates your thinking? What saturates your mind? 
remember uh, years ago hearing just a group of guys, uh, and they were a group of workers, kind of gathered together, and they were probably on a break. And as I was overhearing their conversation, I heard them really talking really rudely about their wives and their kids and each other's wives and each other's kids, about talking really rudely about each other, talking really rudely about people who are walking by, talking really rudely about just kind of everything in life. Now, here's a question. Imagine they go home and something kind of a crisis happens. There's a little conflict. There's a little kind of uh, opportunity for a fight with maybe their spouse or their children. How do you think they're going to respond? Do you think they're going to just all of a sudden bubble over with joy of the Spirit of God within them? Probably not, right? Like there's no way that's going to come out when their mind has been saturated in all this filth. Maybe your parents said this to you as a kid, garbage in, garbage out. If you just, you know, surround yourself with garbage, that's what's going to come out of you. And in the same way, Romans chapter 8 verse 5 is describing the behaviors of people. Those who are turning from our wicked ways, their minds are dominated by thoughts that actually please the Spirit of God. Now I know some of you, you're like, but I work in an environment as that you just described, where the, the conversation is crass and it's rude and everyone is always, it's just, it's a horrible environment really for my mind. And I would just tell you this, I would purpose, or I, I would say this, you may be in proximity of the trash, but you don't have to engage in the trash. Let me just say it again. You can live in proximity of without engaging in. And, and so for you to guard your mind, you say, I'm not going to engage in this. And then even when I leave it, I'm going to saturate my mind in the things that please the, the Spirit of God. So what might that mean for you? Well, it might mean that you've got to get rid of some of the things that you have been allowing into your mind that just kind of add the trash, that are saturating your mind in things that are might be sinful. It, it could be garbage on the radio that you're listening to. It could be social media that you're listening to and just the garbage that you're watching there. It could be movies or TV shows, uh, trash that you're watching there. But it's not just about some of the bad stuff that you're letting in. It's also the scripture tells us that we are to think about. Think about. That means that we're purposeful to think about the things that please the Spirit of God. And so what would that be? It's, it's what we're purposely putting in. It could be worship music or listening to Christian radio. It could be that I'm going to think about, and I'm going to talk to the Lord in prayer. It could be um, in my getting into a small group where I'm having a discussion with people. Because when you get into a small group, what are you doing? You're ultimately stirring your mind to think about things that would please the Spirit of God. That's what you're doing. Or it's reading Scripture. For me, a lot of times, I read Scripture every day. But a lot of times, it's finding one verse. It's one verse that's really meaningful to me in the moment. And just meditating on that one verse. If you would just start that very simple practice of finding one verse and saying, all right, I just want to memorize this. I want to think about this. You'll probably find that verse just coming to the forefront of your mind moment after moment all throughout the day. And what the Lord is doing is he's actually going to use that to have your mind be saturated with things that please the Spirit of God. Uh, it could be, obviously, participating in our weekend services. It could be serving alongside other believers. But these are the environments and the behaviors that help us think about things that please the Spirit. Now, step three actually leads to step four, this final one, which we're going to allow a saturated mind to produce something in us. Here's step four. 
Let the thoughts of the Spirit, okay, because our minds are being saturated with the things that please the Spirit. Let the thoughts of the Spirit control and retrain your habits. So you've got a mind that's being saturated with the things of God, but here's what you've got. You've got a lifestyle and a lifetime of bad habits. And so you have to allow now a mind that's being controlled by the Spirit of God to give you some new habits. And so how will that look? Well, it be th- this way, that you're going through life, and as your mind is being controlled and saturated by the things of God, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's going to say, oh, hey, th- you're about to like hop into one of those bad habits that you've always done. You're going back on the merry-go-round, and the Spirit of God is going to say, hey, there's something better, and he's going to give you an idea, an idea in your head that's a new habit that will actually help you stay off this merry-go-round. But notice what Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says. Says so, so, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So we're letting the Spirit of God control our minds, and as He does so, He actually starts to control our behaviors as well. I would say it this way: Your primary thinking produces your primary behavior. Let me say it again: Your primary thinking produces your primary behavior. So if your mind is being saturated with things that please the heart of God, your behavior is probably going to be in line with that, pleasing the heart of God. So you got to allow your new thinking to produce new habits and new behaviors in your life. So years ago, a couple years ago, I shared this story with you. Many of you have heard this. If you haven't, though, let me just kind of give you my story of how I got off the merry-go-round in my life. Um, it actually is a journey that uh, I hate that I even had to go on, but it's probably good because I got to experience God's freedom in it. Um, you know, when I was in college, I remember I had so many of my friends who actually struggled with kind of internet pornography and stuff like that. I was always so grateful. I never struggled with any of that until actually years into uh, ministry. One day I was sitting there, I went to my computer, and an email popped into my email box. And it was actually just a scantily clad woman in some advertisement. I quickly deleted it and I thought to myself, how in the world did that even come to me? Like, how in the world did this get my email address? And I just deleted it. I got rid of it so fast. And then I was like, man, made it. (laughs) And then the next day, I go to the office, sign into my email address, and there's this email. Another one scantily clad woman, and I quickly deleted it. And day after day, week after week, month after month, and for over a year, an email every day would be there. And what started as quickly deleting it eventually turned into a second gaze delete, two second gaze delete, three second gaze delete, gazing too long. Gazing one second, it's one second too long, delete. And I found myself just so frustrated. I felt like Romans chapter 7 where Paul says, what, what a wretched person I am. Just a little bit of coming to self-hatred, feeling hip- hypocritical, just exhausted emotionally, trying to win this thing on my own. Eventually you'll get to a place where if you've gone on this merry-go-round long enough, either you just give up, and you say, well, I'm just going to be on this forever. But I think all of us know I want a way off. And there is a way off. Thanks, thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, right? There is a way off. 
But you have to be willing to say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get off this merry-go-round. And so for me, that was like, I, I just, I'm going to face this thing head on and I'm going to change all behaviors necessary to get off this merry-go-round. So that included telling my boss and my best friend in ministry and my wife and getting some habits and some guards in my life and putting some filters on my email and, and at home on my computer and just saying, I don't want none of this. And here's what I did is for, I would say for a couple years, I mastered behavior modification actually with really good guardrails. So there's human guardrails that we can put in place to help us kind of get off the merry-go-round, if you will. But what I discovered is that while I wasn't falling into that temptation, I would say I was still probably on the merry-go-round. I just wasn't coming around to the place where I would sin again. Uh, and it, it had been years, you know. And then here's what happened is the internet became this place that's just kind of trashy everywhere. And it was probably two years later, it was probably over 13 years ago, that the Lord revealed something to me, and it was this, Romans chapter 8. That behavior, you know, behavior modification was not the answer. It was heart modification. And there's an answer found in Jesus Christ, and I can get off the merry-go-round. That sin doesn't have victory over me. That I actually have the, the power of the Spirit of God within me. I'm wired to win, and it, it's by me saturating my mind in the things that please Him, chasing after Him, and changing my behaviors, that, that all of a sudden everything really changed. It was, so it was years later that I would say I actually experienced heart modification. Where everything really changed. And it wasn't just let me beat sin, it was let me pursue Jesus. And it was in that pursuit of pursuing Jesus and the Spirit's power working in, in me and through me and completely covering me. That I would say I, I got off the merry-go-round. And that's what I want for you. And that's actually what many others have experienced. It's the power of the Spirit helping them hop off. So I don't know what it is that you struggle with. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's sex outside of marriage. Maybe it's drugs and alcohol. And I know some of you are like, oh, thank the Lord I'm not struggling with any of those horrible sins. And yet there's others who are caught on this merry-go-round of things like um, they're victim addicts. Always playing the victim card and They've never owned any of their own bad behavior. Uh, some who are on the merry-go-round of fear. Others who are on the merry-go-round of self-hatred. The merry-go-round of control. The merry-go-round of compulsive thinking or actions. The merry-go-round of unhealthy emotional relationships. The merry-go-round of isolation. The merry-go-round of bitterness. The merry-go-round of anger. See, there's all of these, and you go, oh, at least it's not drugs and alcohol. And I'd say you're still on the merry-go-round. And you're probably thinking, oh, what a miserable person I am. And you're dealing with your own form of self-hatred and your own frustrations in life. And you're just miserable, and you want off. And today's the day to get off. Today is the day that you're going to get off. And so it's time to get off the merry-go-round. Wherever you find yourself today, today's the day to get off. And so I would say it starts with this. And for me, it was this. I had to start thinking rightly. Sin does not have power over me. I'm actually hardwired to win. I had to follow intentionally instead of just following what the world was doing. I had to say, I'm going to follow the Spirit. I saturate my thinking thoroughly, that my thoughts would be all about the things that please the heart of God, and retrain myself patiently, that the Spirit of God is going to give me new behaviors, new habits. 
in my life. And so if you're on the merry-go-round, today's the day to get off. We're gonna, the worship team's gonna lead in a final song here called Breakthrough. And our prayer is that you would have uh, an incredible breakthrough in your life. I, I believe that you can have breakthrough and it's because I've seen breakthrough in other individuals who have said, I'm gonna let my life be dominated by the things that Romans chapter eight describes. But the starting place, because you might may be watching today and you may say, I'm not even a follower of Christ. Can I too get off the merry-go-round? And I would say, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit within you, you're gonna be caught in behavior modification. The only way that you can have heart modification is by the power of the Spirit within you, and you only have that when the Spirit of God resides within you, when He lords over you, and that's when you give your life to Christ. And so for you, maybe you've been thinking, I want freedom. Well, your freedom is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. He actually laid down his life for you, for all of your sin, not to just pay for your sin, but so that you wouldn't have to live on the merry-go-round, coming back and around to the same addiction or the same problem time after time. There's a way off, but it starts with just surrendering your life to him, accepting the fact of what he did for you at the cross. He laid down his life for you at the cross. There, your sin was buried with him. And when he came out of the grave, a new life also came out of the grave for you. It's a life of victory. And so if you want to surrender your life to Christ right now, would you just pray a simple prayer with me from right where you're sitting? It goes like this, Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit that my sin has broken a relationship between me and you, a perfect, holy God. But in my brokenness, you love me so much that you sent your son to lay down his life for me at the cross. Today, I put my faith in Jesus' sacrifice for me at the cross. Today, I ask that you would be my Lord and my Savior. Place your Holy Spirit within me and set me right now on the trajectory toward victory. As we continue praying, I imagine that there's many of you who are thinking, today's my day, I'm getting off this merry-go-round. And may I just declare this verse over you, Romans chapter eight, verse two, I would encourage you to keep declaring this verse over you all week long. Because I belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed me from the power of sin that leads to death. And that's true for you. The power of the life-giving spirit has set you free from the power of sin that leads to death. I declare that over you today in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to this mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.